Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you feel like your allergies are having a comeback tour and you want relief quickly, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny, and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And today, Charlie, I would like to tackle a topic that might be kind of inevitable for us. Surely. Given that the second episode we ever did was about Taylor Swift. Yeah. I feel like we came of age together in a way. You know, like <laughs> we grew up together. 1989 was released just as we started this podcast. And that album seems so significant in sort of turning a more critical eye onto the world of pop music in general. Right. So I feel like we are wedded to Taylor Swift. We're ride or die <laughs> till the end. We're going to be there. And of course, or are we? <laughs> and of course, Taylor Swift has just released her most recent album, Reputation. Yes. And I want to take this episode to explore two of the tracks on this album, not two of the singles, actually. Okay. But two of the ones that kind of most interested me, the first being... I did something bad. Oh, did you? And the other one being Getaway Car. Ooh, fun. But before we dive into these two songs, yes. I feel like we need to clear the air, organize <laughs> our Zen rock garden a little bit here. <laughs> Charlie, can I get a, a serious music bed, please? Absolutely. I've got one just for you. Sorry, I said serious music bed. <laughs> okay, we'll go darker. There we go. So I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't provide some context for this discussion because it seems like when you're discussing Taylor Swift these days there's a lot to contend with there's a lot of controversy surrounding this performer right and certainly with this album a lot of people are reading things into it yeah they're interpreting for instance lyrics on this album as being say rejoinders to Kanye West right who uh, they were in a dispute over who said honestly I'm already losing the thread here Charlie can you <laughs> maybe explain exactly what went down between these two celebrities Taylor Swift won an award Kanye West 
interrupted and went on stage and said that Beyonce should have won that award. And then they had constant battles back and forth in the media, both through proxy and directly at each other. Right. But then there was this other thing where she said she didn't give him permission to be in his music video, famous. But then it turned out Kim Kardashian had recorded the conversation where she did give her permission. Oh, yeah, that one, too. Yeah. You can tell I'm really enthused. (laughs) Yeah, we are not really the celebrity gossip hounds we should be. No. But that's not all. There's not just the sort of celebrity controversy surrounding this album and the way that can be read into the lyrics. People are now reading this album in a queer light. Yeah. Something actually I only know because one of uh, our listeners wrote into us and explained that a lot of people are really excited about interpreting this album as having a lot of coded queer messages because it doesn't specifically reference gender pronouns the way she might have in her earlier work. So there's like an ambiguity there that you can find more unstable meanings in. Yeah, one of our listeners, Lauren, wrote us in one of her songs, she talks about how she doesn't want to be like a best friend. And the sort of questioning of having a crush and who that best friend is and what their gender may be has been a serious point of inquiry for the queer blogosphere. Exactly. And again, thanks. Big shout out to our brilliant listeners for keeping us honest here. Now, pause the serious music for a minute. (laughs) That's a lot to tackle there. I do appreciate some of the cultural commentary, especially on issues of imagery and appropriation are definitely very interesting. I feel like though, Nate, when I'm looking at most of the reviews about Taylor's newest album, they're really not at all interested in the music. And that might be appropriate. The album is about her identity right out in front, right? Yeah. It's called Reputation. Yeah. And the reality is, I have to say, I am just 100% not interested in the stories of her constant celebrity identity changing it just feels unrelatable and distant and maybe also not really responsible in the sort of cultural moment that we're in so all the sort of thinking about her identity i don't know i'm just i'm kind of i'm not interested Mm, we might have to turn the serious music back on because here's (laughs) where i diverge actually this is something that we were a little at odds with in our last episode as well because you i think were throwing shade at taylor a little bit for projecting these inauthentic identities i want to investigate the identity that she's trying to express musically on this new album i'm with you there i am not interested in the media narrative of taylor swift the celebrity i'm totally interested in checking out what's happening musically i feel like that's what we do well okay great so we're hesitant partners here on this mission (laughs) no no no. i'm in i'm in okay you're in so what is the identity here it's a bad person (laughs) i don't know how else to say it Cool. Yeah, this is something we haven't really encountered in the Taylor Swift oeuvre before. Mm. This is a little menacing, I think. I think maybe we heard a little bit of that in, like, Trouble. But 
Yeah, this is definitely a darker track than her usual. That's a great point, Charlie. I think this song has a clear connection to Trouble in that they're both produced by drumroll jk it's not surprising at all max martin and shellback in this case so definitely some continuity there you're right maybe not totally new but i think this is a little even a darker spin than on say a song like trouble well yeah because it's kind of flipping the script right you were trouble now she's basically saying well now she's trouble (laughs) right yeah exactly okay let's rewind Okay. Jump from the chorus to the beginning of this song because, as you mentioned, yep. we're going to hear some real uh, Taylorisms here. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. It. Okay. I never trust a narcissist, but they love me. Nice strings. So I play them like a violin and I make it look oh so easy. Play them like a violin against the strings. Very smart. This is how the world works. Now all he thinks about is me. I can so let's just look at this verse for a moment because I think there's a lot of fun stuff going on. And yeah. the one that you immediately noticed was the same one I did. What's <laughs> yeah. the first sound we hear in this piece? You call that a pizzicato violin, plucking the violin rather than bowing it. Yes, very nice. Ooh, way to bring in the correct terminology, Charles. Pizzicato violin, plucked violins, and then just like clockwork, she says... (laughs) Play like a violin. Yeah, so a beautiful example of text painting at the outset of this piece. Yeah. But then let's listen even closer to those violins. Okay. So... They're affected in an interesting way. They definitely have a a slight saturation or distortion to them and a probably sort of invisible side chain, which is basically where the volume drops out occasionally, usually the volume dropping out in relationship to a kick drum. So a kick drum can be better heard. These violins are sort of dropping out at these random moments without anything in between them. Right. Okay. Great technical explanation, which I wouldn't have been able to make. (laughs) My experience listening to this was, it sounds glitchy almost. Yeah, glitchy is a good, yes. Like there's something wrong with the recording. You know, if we were, like if you're listening Mm -hmm. to a record, maybe it was skipping or something. Right. It's almost like these strings are decaying before your ears. Huh, yeah, yeah. And some of the other sounds they introduce in the first verse do something similar like this bass line that follows the introduction of the violins it also has this glitchy staticky sensation yeah right right there's the volume is dropping in and out definitely it's interesting that bass actually does remind me a bit of the big max martin hit from the last album blank space it has that sort of just like thick slug kind of sound that just like runs throughout so it's gonna be But here, you're right. On top of that same sort of timbre, it also has this weird affected glitchiness. Right. And what to make of these glitchy, staticky, decaying sounds? <laughs> I mean, certainly in the context of reading this album as the bad Taylor, the evil twin Taylor. <laughs> Her reputation is decaying. Yeah, exactly. It's like crumbling a little bit. Right, right. And in this song, what's so cool is that she's embracing that i guess she's like yeah really stepping into that role wholeheartedly yeah. and then if we jump to right before the chorus i think this theme of decay is continued in the song mm. because right before the chorus we are actually confronted with a void with a vast 
expanse of nothingness. Ooh, let's listen. Oh, that is an amazing moment. That is an eternity in pop years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like everything's fading to gray and washing out. You can actually hear the stereo image open up and it feels like you're descending into a, a hole, a total abyss. It feels pretty daring to me. I mean, time in pop music is like <laughs> square footage in New York real estate. It is <laughs> valuable and you got to really... Yeah. Every every second is a fortune. Yeah. So to have a full two measures, I mean, that's what we're talking here. We're talking eight beats of just kind of nothing mm. is pretty bold. And I think... Well, hold on, hold on. This is not okay. nothing. This is a beautiful <laughs> moment of this sort of wobbly synthesizer. I think that like wobbliness that it picks up almost feels like the actual auditory version of the decay of the strings earlier like if you put them on top of each other they would fit together true okay thank you for the correction not nothing it made the invisible thing that was happening earlier it made it come alive and you feel that like whoa, 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 and it's all gonna fall apart that's right that's totally right can we agree that it's a bold choice bold choice okay and then for this next moment of decay this one is a little more Cerebral, perhaps, but I think it's a kind of rhythmic decay, and it happens in the bridge. And I have to say, this is confession time. Yeah, part of the reason I picked these two songs in particular is because they've got great bridges. Yeah, we both have a soft spot for the bridge for the middle eight, yeah. and these two both deliver I like the bridge. Let's jump to the bridge of this okay. song, a very witchy bridge. All right. It's a very Max Martin bridge. Oh, wow, that is so rewarding. Right, another vast open space before the final chorus which i just love it reminds me actually a lot of the technique that max martin did on the weekends track on um can't feel my face the bridge is actually the same as i think here it's the same material as the pre-chorus so you're getting the same material, but it's sort of recontextualized where like the energy is actually dropped out of it. And then where you would think it's going to build up to the chorus, it kind of even drops even further down into nothingness where here you're getting some of that earlier material that like gray washed out sound and adding in these 808 clap sounds to both build anticipation and also like create this feeling of descent. And it actually gets so big and reverberated that you think you're like gonna just completely fall apart and then all of a sudden it just gets cut off like all of that reverberation and all that big open sound just whoosh, silence and then chorus they say I, did something bad. I love it the metaphor of descent or what i was saying decay perhaps mm, yeah totally appropriate this is the theme again and again whether it's in the the literally kind of decaying strings at the beginning. And now I'm thinking also that moment in the chorus where her voice literally descends yeah. over and over and over and over again. Like, whew. 
going down and down. Can we talk about that moment for a second? Oh, you want to talk about that moment? Yeah. Yes, we can. So I had someone write in yesterday on our Reddit AMA. Why does that moment work so well? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Particularly when she says, if I could. The line is, and I do it over and over and over again if I could. I could. Oh, so satisfying. I agree, anonymous. It's so satisfying. Writer, you are so right. Such a great moment. So, can I give you a quick analysis of it? Please. What I figured out, it's all about her melodic phrasing. And Taylor is so good at melody. So, in the chorus, what she does is she has this sort of A part, B part, and C part. The first line, they say I did something bad, A phrase. They say I did something bad. Then, why does it feel so good? B phrase. She goes back to the A. They say I did something bad. She does a slight variation, sort of like a B prime. But why does it feel so good? She changes the rhythm on it. She's good at making those little alterations just to give us something fresh and not get bored. The line and I do it over and over and over again, is totally new melodic phrasing. We're getting this, as you pointed out, this mm. descending melodic vocal. And another great example of text painting, she would do it over and over and over and over and over and over. The over and over is a melodic sequence, which she repeats again and again, descending down. Mm-hmm. And you think it's going to land somewhere, and rather than landing with a thud, she lands with this, and if I could, she extends in sort of this very lazy sort of way, the if I could. And I think that what's so powerful about that moment is that it's the variation on the variation. It's taking us really far away from the main melodic phrase that we open with. And then, of course, she gives it to us immediately after. It just felt so good. And so when she says that, she takes us back to one of the main phrases. Just an amazing example of songwriting where she's giving us these established themes, making variations on them, and maintaining our interest by pulling us just as far away as we possibly can go and then bringing us right back in. I'm totally persuaded and would only add that that final moment, if I could, is also a smear over the blue notes, a chromatic Mm -hmm. note. So that's like a very dark tone, especially at that moment. Super dark. Yeah, I love it. Okay, we have now explored the dark descent and decay present on this album. Mm -hmm. Let's go to another version of this kind of evil twin Taylor Swift (laughs) in the song Getaway Car After the Break. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you have allergies, then I've got a familiar scenario for you. You wake up on a beautiful spring morning and peek outside. You get a feel of that nice breeze, but then you start to feel a little tickle in your nostrils. That tickle is the spring air telling you to go be a hermit and avoid the outside because you'll soon be a sniffling, sneezing mess. But don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies, and it's a real bummer. But a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion 
runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome back, Charlie. You want to take a ride? <laughs> Come on, man. That's kind of text painting, I guess. Oh, sorry. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever yeah. upset you so much on the show <laughs> as with that offer. You know, we're nearly <laughs> 75 episodes in and th- th- that, that might just be the end. Getaway car. Charlie, this yes. melody has not left my brain for probably a single second since I started listening to it. That's my point. Like, I went in, honestly, from all of the media that I read about this album before it was out with really low expectations. I've been playing it in the background a bunch, and man, there is some catchy stuff. Like, just good pop songs, well-written, really good hooks, and this is definitely one that stands out above them all. Totally agree. Let's take this one from the top. Let's just spin it from the first verse. Cool. Got a little Imogen heap in there. Crimes, a stroke, a match, and blew your mind, but I didn't mean it. And you didn't see it. The ties were black, the lies were white. And shades of gray and candlelight, I wanted to leave him. I needed a reason. It's beautiful, is it? appropriate to say it kind of sounds like someone took out of the woods and then hung out with the sisters from Haim for a bunch of time and then got back together with Jack Antonoff and recorded the follow-up yeah no and I think there are other moments on this album that you can point to as being perhaps very influenced by Lord Mm -hmm. certainly when she sends her voice down to its lower registers oh yeah Taylor Swift is really masterful at assimilating everything that's happening in the popular music landscape and incorporating it into her sounds yeah I mean and then there's I mean I I sort of I hinted at it like there's the image in here vocoder sound from hide and seek mm, what you say mm, that you only meant well but cause you did which is elsewhere on the album as well yes and i think in some ways it's we're now in the antonoff you know world rather than the max martin world with this track yeah I love that there are these parallels. For instance, we talked about text painting in the beginning of I Did Something Bad, yeah. where she sings about playing someone like a violin and we're hearing violins. There's this sound in this song, Getaway Car, that I will try pathetically to, to recreate that sounds like... <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. We'll play it. And I was kind of trying to make sense of that sound because it seemed to be significant somehow. And then at some point I was listening and I heard this word siren stuck out to me that she sings in the chorus. It's so funny because I've been really getting into synthesis and sound production, sound design stuff recently. And I immediately hear that as a like um, a really cheap 80s drum tom sample. They're like, do, do, do. So like, 
kind of thing. But it's so affected and in the background that it kind of takes on its own texture. And it definitely has a siren-like sound. Perhaps this is an instance of reading in what you want to hear. That's what we like to do. It's so fun. <laughs> but given the subject of this song, the, what I immediately hear Get when this song away, starts, car. right? It's just like uh, a highway at night and yep. the white lines of the central divider going by. Yep. And then these sirens kind yep. of distant, yep. you know, somewhere behind you, oh, kind of coming yes, in yeah, muffled. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It just like perfectly creates this feeling of like suspense and forward motion. Totally. Even the sort of 80s synth stuff is really reminiscent of the soundtrack from the movie Drive. <laughs> right. Neon lights late at night, driving the fast car on the LA highway. Absolutely. Yeah, all that imagery is totally appropriate to the sounds, which is like yeah. a very 80s thing anyways. But yeah, I think by taking that synth tom sound and muting it and making it sound like it's in the background, it definitely does have that distant siren quality. And I had this quote that you shared with me in mind that Jack Antonoff, I think, in turn got from Bruce Springsteen, which is the way to make songs is blues in the verse, gospel in the chorus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's hear that gospel chorus. Okay. I love this. In particular, the use of the hi-hat here. You know, there's a lot of people who have rightly made these connections between Taylor's place on the charts and the dominance of hip-hop right now. And these hi-hats definitely do feel descendant of, like, trap hi-hats. These really fast... You know, that kind of sound? Yeah. Which is everywhere. I mean, it definitely comes from, like, Atlanta hip-hop from, I think, the 90s. But you can hear it in progressive house music. You hear it all over the pop charts. It feels like they're taking a sound which is very popular and kind of has like gone across genre to a certain degree and then used it really specifically for a very particular effect, which is it feels like it speeds the whole thing up. All aboard this train. Right, like in an old country song, you would hear like a constant beat on the snare, like a Almost hear the whistle, boys kind of thing to get like that train rolling sound the bpm of this song is pretty slow it's a slow track but by throwing in these hi-hats that are moving at a breakneck speed you have this contrast of the like the late night sky in the background that sort of backdrop you feel like you're moving really quickly along in this car i get that from those hi-hats oh i love it i honestly don't have a lot of deep analysis here i just find this <laughs> you just love it i just find it so unbearably moving and kind of nostalgic and out of all the tracks on this album i think maybe lyrically this one is the most exciting to me because hmm. i think it really captures this sense of of pastness and sort of like a wistful looking back and that seems almost tragic because you already know what happens, how this getaway is going to end, how all getaways end, right? Oh, yeah. It never ends well, does it? You never get far. I mean, yeah. and obviously we should mention this seems to be a metaphor for a relationship, <laughs> but one that's really elegantly constructed, I think. And then when we get to, I might start to tear up here. I don't know. I'm just, this song really moves me. And 
I want to go again to that special place, the bridge here, because wait, wait, hold on, pause, wait, before you leave the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were sirens in the beat of your heart. Doesn't it sound like that ambulance sound? I mean, I heard it as a drum beat. It is this like amalgamation of ambulance or or police siren plus heartbeat. I know I might be stretching way too far, but yeah, right. Yeah. She says, "Riding in the getaway car, there were sirens in the beat of your heart." I feel like we've heard that sound coming into the chorus. Huh? Those sirens in the heart. Yeah. That sound that I heard as a siren and you heard as a drum, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Okay, it's time. We got to go to the bridge. Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is over. Episode done. No more car puns. Can't handle it. Okay, there's two of my favorite things happen in this bridge. <laughs> I know, I know, Charlie. I'm so excited to share this with you. Okay, step one, there's a modulation. Oh, yeah. Right, which we went into like a great absurd amount of depth in our Lady Gaga episode. If people missed it, it's a great piece about modulation. But she jumps up a key. She says, nothing good starts in a getaway car in the end of that chorus. And then, boom, Everything. we modulate up. Yes, ascends a whole step. <laughs> it's great. And what's the other thing you love more than anything in the world? Moving out of this bridge section, she uses a chord that we call the minor four, which yeah. is the saddest chord of all time. <laughs> right when she's singing, it's no surprise I turned you in because those traitors never win. Yeah. Um, so she flips on her partner, turns on the person stealing the getaway car, and does so in a moment of real sadness. Yeah. This is the constant Beatles cadence that we hear. And every single time the Beatles or like any 60s song had something sad to say, they would use this chord. Yeah. And if you want to play Charlie like a violin, just throw in a minor four chord. Oh, yeah, totally. Melt into a puddle. Puddle. The bridge of this song, besides having these two great tricks of the modulation and yeah, yeah. The, the surprise minor four chord. No. I mean, I think this is a moment where music and lyrics are just working together so well because this bridge is also the moment that is kind of the reveal of this song. Yeah, yeah. This is the moment in the song where she does to her current partner what she did to her former partner. <laughs> this is the moment where she leaves. And by the end of this chorus, as you point out, she is on her own. She's driving the getaway car by herself. This makes the modulation really relevant because it's a reveal, uh, a sort of turn to the song. So you need something very powerful to stand out. And it does so in a way which I kind of feel like we haven't heard from Taylor since more of her country records. It's a very more singer-songwriter approach, but a really appropriate here narratively to show, hey, things have changed. Don't we get modulations like this in Love Story and other tracks like that? Totally. And I think if we were going to label this in the kind of 
taxonomy we came up with in our episode about modulation, we would call this a storytelling modulation. That is one that's, uh, that's motivated right. yeah. by the lyrical narrative of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than yeah. a diva modulation where you go <laughs> higher to show off your vocal chops. Well, we don't know if she can really do that. But anyway. <laughs> and then we make it to... Did so, you catch that shade? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to acknowledge it, though. <laughs> Sorry. And then we get to the outro of this song, which I yeah. just want to bring up because, you know, something we... I think you and I were probably doing from the moment the first track off this album came out, we were looking for the tea drop. I was, yeah, yeah, definitely. For this erstwhile melodic motive that we identified as like present in all of Taylor Swift's music, regardless of the changes in identity that she was going through. Yeah, quick review of the tea drop. What is it? Quick review of, of the tea drop. Let's, we can go back to a song like You Belong With Me, <laughs> where we hear it in the chorus. Yeah, it's this melodic movement that she does over and over again. It's so powerful that we labeled it the T-drop. Or I think you also called it the Swiftian suspension. I I, I actually called it the Swiftian sigh, but The yes, Swiftian sigh. Yes. Uh, that might be another, an alternative title. And, you know, I think the only instance that I found, though, I really encourage our listeners to come up with other ones if they hear them. I'm sure it's buried in there. The only one I can identify so far is in the outro of this song, Getaway Car. Hmm. So when she says, dying, dying, actually an even better one said goodbye in. Mm. Yeah, that's it. There it is. But it's not really highlighted. You know, it's only kind of thrown into the outro of this song. Why do we talk about these favorite little melodic moments? For me, it really connects to this whole question of composed authenticity. It's well known that Taylor in her public image is constantly trying to reinvent herself. And that's what a lot of the media narrative is about this album. I think musically what she's trying to do is move her sound along, but to always maintain a certain Taylor Swift sound. She obviously really tried to break those expectations by releasing the single Look What You Made Me Do, which didn't have a typical sort of melodic hook. But throughout this album, we're getting moments of way past Taylor with bridges like this, with little melodic motifs. I don't know what's going on in the studio, but I would be surprised if there isn't a conscious effort to make sure that you know this still sounds like Taylor, even though it has a really different sonic landscape. And they're going to do that by giving us melodic material or harmonic material, which is something we might have heard eight years ago, but in an entirely new context with strange synthesizers and wobble basses and ambulance siren drums trying to keep us connected even while things are changing that's a wonderful note to end on because it captures both the sort of plasticity of identity that mm. swift is exploring throughout her career 
essentially, again, like trying on these different identities and then discarding them. And yeah. you can look at that yeah. and say, oh, that's all artificial. Or you can look yeah. at that and say, oh, that's kind of reflective of how all our identities work. There's definitely areas where it is problematic, again, with especially some borrowing of images, which are just straight up appropriative and other places where she's putting on different characters of herself. And there is definitely a, a spectrum of appropriateness. I think what you mean is like, who has the privilege to take on and off different identities and who doesn't? Absolutely. And yeah. Maybe sometimes she indulges that privilege a little insensitively, I think is certainly fair. Definitely. I mean, there's a difference between like playing a different version of yourself, which is, you know, playing with your own sense of identity and then trying on other people's identities who might not have the same kind of agency. And that's where she really falls into some trouble and, you know, something I definitely don't endorse. Right. And yet at the same time, we can see these certain musical strains running through all of those different identities, which does suggest some constant, some some baseline, which uh, will be honestly exciting to continue to explore into the future. I'm Yeah, yeah. I remain fascinated by this artist, you know? Absolutely. Musically, like I said, this album, I'm still digesting it. Like I've listened to it through a couple of times. There's a lot of hooks on there, a lot of things that really caught my ear. I think it's sonically really consistent, possibly by working with just really two, three main producers on the whole thing, people who she's really worked with intimately in the past. And I am compelled by those things, which are more of those threads than the moments of like identity separation. But yeah, it's so interesting to see what will evolve out of her body of work. This is a, clearly an important statement that she's trying to make. It's landing in really different ways in the media. But I'll just say for me, just from a musical point of view, I'm really interested. I agree. So we're agreed. Uh, we'll continue four years from now for the next album. Oh my gosh, that, that sounds exhausting. I don't know if I can deal with the variety of think pieces in between, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely cover the next one. Just put it in the G cal for me, okay? Just so <laughs> just so it's blocked out. You're scheduled then. Switched on Pop is produced by me, Nate Sloan. And me, Charlie Harding. We are edited by the incredibly talented Bill Lance. Our design is done by Luke Harris. And big shout out to our intern, Olivia Wood, who scheduled our recent Reddit Ask Me Anything, Reddit AMA. A lot of really awesome questions came in from you all. Thank you. And we'll uh, share a link to that if you want to know more about the inner workings of Switched On Pop. We'll put that on our Twitter, which is at Switched On Pop, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Switched On Pop. And of course, if you have questions, you can write us anytime. Contact at switchedonpop.com. We'll see you in another two weeks. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. One final shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. You know what's a terrible question? What's your favorite part of having nasal allergies? I don't know, absolutely nothing. Luckily, you might be able to find some relief with Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's astaproallergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies.